But I remember like looking, you know, at the view, you know, Rwandan's view is incredible wherever you are. And I was like, when I come back, I, I'm not coming back as a tourist. I'm coming back to contribute to this country however I can. Um, and then that's when the ball started rolling of like, okay, well, I'm in the States and I'm working and learning about these nonprofits and being able to go into these communities. How can I flip that and go back into my own community and actually making Rwanda my community again? Thank you for tuning in to IPU Podcast, a show about business owners, philanthropists, and influencers from the African diaspora. I'm your host, Jay Tessie. Hello there, happy people. Welcome back to IPU. We're in a mini hiatus, aka spring break, which was much needed. But we're here, we're back, and I have my girl on. Special, special guest. I've known this chick for what seems like forever, 20 plus years. She is a founder of Heart of a Thousand Hills. She goes by the name of Nina Eliza. Some of her people call her Nina. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to the show, girl. <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you judy <laughs> it's so so nice to be here thank this you so much like great introduction <laughs> i know right <laughs> but we're here now yes. we're here now you're right let's stay in the present moment um <laughs> so i'm gonna pretend like i don't know you at all okay? okay okay so before we get into this interview please tell our listeners who, who you are oh my goodness um hello my my name is nina Eriza. i am Rwandan, uh, American. <laughs> Ooh, that was that's a rush. Um, yes, I am born in Rwanda, raised here in the U.S. Um, I started a nonprofit a few years ago, and that's kind of has been my baby that I've been nurturing these past few years. I like the summertime and the beach, and uh, <laughs> and I'm just a happy person. I think that's the best way to describe me. At least I try to be happy. And you you are happy, but yeah, I feel like a, this is like e harmony, like yeah, intro. I mean, hey, I, you never know. Listening? That's true. You never know. God works in mysterious ways, okay. girl. <laughs> Child, well, you know what? You did not work. I'm gonna let God work. So let's get serious here. Um. Nina, I remember growing up, right, like junior year of high school, um, everybody's like, you know, talking about where are we going to college? What are we going to be? Da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. And you like had your answers like you knew what you wanted to be. Like, I remember you you wanted to be a nurse and like mm -hmm. without a doubt, you knew like that's that was your mm -hmm. calling. I even remember you had like a little sticker in your car. I don't know if you yeah. remember that. <laughs> Future nurse. And I used to be like, dang, how does this chick know what she wants to do already? Because I was struggling mm -hmm. at that time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from you knowing without a shadow of a doubt that you want to be a nurse to now being a nonprofit um, organizer and founder. And like, how did Heart of a Thousand Hills come about? Like, when did that switch flip? So that's interesting. And I don't think I've ever been asked that question. So you're right. And that's funny that you remember that. But like my junior year, I was set. Like I had a vision board. Yeah. I was vision boarding quite early before it was like the it thing. Um, like, girl, no, I was ready. Like I, I was ready. Um, and, you know, and then I actually did get into nursing school and I was in nursing school. I struggled, but I, it didn't matter because I felt like 
that's what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So I like broke my back, lots of ner- nights crying. And nursing school, mind you, is hard, but it isn't that hard for a lot of people. So I kept questioning, like, am I dumb? Like, why? <laughs> I was like, why is this the big I was like, why is this such a struggle for me? And I think it really did take um, me finding who I was, mm-hmm. who I who I am, to realize, well, maybe that wasn't for me. And it's no surprise that, of course, nursing school was kind of <clears throat> low pushed on and not necessarily pushed on but definitely encouraged by right. a lot of people right that's the aunties and mamas like yeah well that's what of course happy to know that i'm going to nursing school so i was like oh well i must be choosing the right path everybody mm-hmm. else in the family agrees um but yeah and it took finding myself man and i was that in itself was a journey um it it, it is a journey currently mm-hmm. like right now <laughs> um that i'm still trying to figure out you know myself and my path and kind of enjoying the journey um to the best of my ability so i don't know exactly when the switch happened um i know when the switch happened when i didn't want to be in nursing school it's really really strange like i was literally in class sitting this is so bizarre i was sitting in the front because i was sat in the front because i really was like trying to pay attention i was like look (laughs) this should not be this hard for me and i remember being in the front row and like randomly this is so strange randomly i just got up and left like I got up and left class, like mid class. Really? And then I was like, this, I was like, this is not it. This is not it. And it was so hard because then I spent a little time trying to figure out what was it. Mm-hmm. At this point, I was well in my twenties, you know, I don't know, maybe 22 or something. Mm-hmm. Well into my twenties. Okay. <laughs> so I was in my young twenties. Uh, you know how you always feel old. Right. <laughs> I felt like I should have known what I was supposed to be doing. And it was a real, it was a real trying time not to know. Um, but yeah, I, I felt something and I got up and I never looked back. And I don't know if that was the best. I don't, I still don't know if that was the best decision, but I'm, uh, I'm rolling with it. Rolling Wait. With it. So like just that moment, something clicked yeah, in you that, and you were like, that, I'm done. And you just walked yeah, away, because, never looked back. Because I felt like there's no way I'm struggling this hard. Like I know struggle. I know hard work, but in a moment where you feel like, so I don't know if it was necessarily like a sign or a voice or whatever intuition. And mind you, I didn't get away and like walk away forever. I did get out of the class, but of course I had to go talk to my counselor. Like, all right, now what? I didn't walk away from school. Um, <laughs> but I was like, forget this. Uh, I was like, nah, bro. I mean, I just know that this wasn't it. Right. Um, and it's still to this day, I can't really explain it. I can't say it was because of X, Y, and Z. I just had that. I had that strong, strong, strong feeling like you are not in the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, that was kind of it. That was kind of it. And then I just, yeah. And then I, I switched, you know, I switched majors and I just, just to graduate, I got, um, um, I, I did PR, public relations, mm-hmm. which I'm not using today. Well, I guess when you do your own business, you use everything. Right, like right. it's actually work that I studied PR. Um, and then, yeah, and then I never worked in there, and then I started kind of going down the nonprofit field or path or whatever. How so, was that conversation with your mom when you were like, "Mommy, I'm not going to be a nurse"? Like, was she disappointed? Um, was she supportive? I think she just kind of questioned, like, "Okay, well, now what? Like, it's fine if you don't be a nurse, but then what? You know what I mean? Right, what are right. you about to do?" Um, and I didn't have the answers then. And if I remember correctly, this seems like ages ago. Um, I, I, you know, I finished, I did what I could to finish school. And, you know, I moved to Texas for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and that was, that's when my nonprofit, like, like passion happened. I, um, I wanted to get out of the Midwest as 
most people do until you get out and you're like, actually, the Midwest is cool. <laughs> um, I wanted to get out of the Midwest. I wanted to get out of the cold. So I went to Texas, worked for a nonprofit. And then I realized like, oh, wow, this is, you know, this like giving back thing, being able to do it for like, you know, work, like have it being ingrained into the mission of whatever company you're working with. Mm-hmm. Like this, this is kind of cool. Um, yeah. And then I just, I started that. And I don't think, I think she was pretty supportive. My mom is she's pretty cool. Shout out mama. I think so too. I think she's she's always been like that open minded. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, she has actually. <laughs> I appreciate her for that. So okay, um fast forward, you you get your PR degree, you move to Texas, which we I remember it was crazy for you to do that cuz you were like moving to like a random place. Girl. You were going to like I know nobody. There. Yeah, and I was like, "Why are you yeah. doing that?" But you've right. always been so adventurous. So it was like, "Okay, that's cool, I guess." <laughs> So while you're there, you pick up this passion and you decide to start your nonprofit in Rwanda. You hadn't been there in forever. You were basically yeah. American. So you can't yeah. tell me that decision was easy. Like, walk me through that. So, man, man, oh, man. Um, yeah, I don't even know how to get into this part. <laughs> um so in 2000, I believe 2011, I had an opportunity. Because also, it takes a minute to get, like, your paperwork. I didn't go to Rwanda because I just I just wasn't a citizen for a good minute, like, to be honest. Right, right. Um, so, you know, finally getting to that stage of, you know, being that nice little blue passport, um, I was able to go. I was able to go back home. Mm-hmm. And when I first went back home, I went with some cousins. It was my first time in 17 years. 17 years. That's and. Bad. I, you know, when I left, I left in 94. Well, right. a little bit after. Um, so I was there for that. Mm-hmm. And it, it was a very, um, traumatic time. Yeah. It was, um, it was very hard to be there. It was definitely an emotional roller coaster being able to like know what had happened, but then being able to see kind of like, you know, the progress that the country mm-hmm. had. And even though I was quite young, like, and that's the thing. When I left, I left with all these memories, right? And I didn't have time. I never dealt with them. But like those 17, I never dealt. Who, who am I going? Who right. do I, you know, right. who am I talking to? My family's not talking about it. I'm not about to just pull up with my friends and be like, yo, guess what I've been through. <laughs> um, Wait, so, so how old were you when, you when you left Rwanda? I left when I was eight. Okay. So you definitely eight. remembered everything. You, oh, yeah. yeah. I remember a lot. I remember a lot. Um, and so I went back. And I went back as a visitor, right? I went back as a tourist, mm-hmm. right? Because I was with my family and we were driving to hotels and eating out and like going to, at the time, oh my God, there was some like club in Miracolene mm-hmm. at the time. I don't know, girl. But like partying it up, like, you know, like a right, real so tourist. vacation. You were happy. Right, right. It was a happy time. And I remember like one of my few last days, like it was, it was, I, I'm such a visual person. I remember, like I can tell you what I had on and who I was sitting next to when I had this thought. Um, but I remember like looking, you know, at the view, you know, Rwandan's view is incredible wherever you are. And I was like, when I come back, I, I'm not coming back as a tourist. I'm coming back to contribute to this country however I can. Um, and then that's when the ball started rolling of like, Okay, well, I'm in the States and I'm working and learning about these nonprofits and being able to go into these communities. How can I flip that and go back into my own community and actually making Rwanda my community again? Um, so that's where the idea really came from. And that year, I mean, I took off. I took off. I was like, all right, what does this mean? What does this look like? In what way can I help? And started really digging deep into 
the um, kind of the impact that I might have want to have on the country, but also being willing to let it impact me as well. So, so yeah, that first, that trip back was life changing without a, without a question, without a question. So yeah, it was hard. I'm sure. Cause I mean, you had, you were, it's almost like you were forced to deal with this trauma, like head on, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it wasn't like, Oh, you eased into it. Mm-hmm. You just went mm-hmm. back something had suppressed for 17 years and then now you have mm-hmm. to face it mm-hmm. and really not even have the right tools to do that because mm-hmm. you know we mm-hmm. were just talking about that like having yeah. <laughs> mental issues anxiety and all that like nobody talks about that stuff even i mean it's such a hard it's almost like a it's a hard thing to say you know like how do you introduce yourself like hey i'm a genocide survivor like you know that's that's not easy. Even saying that right now out loud was hard. <laughs> and it's been, what, it's 25 years now, mm-hmm, right? And mm-hmm. it's something that has people have more knowledge about. But just because you have the overall knowledge doesn't mean you can grab everybody's experience. And my experience is my own. And for me to talk about it, it will always, I think, will always be difficult. It might get a little easier, less Child, I'm not crying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a big mm-hmm. plus right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and hopefully, you know, as the years continue, I'd be able maybe to introduce myself as that because that is my story. Right. Um, so, so yeah, I don't, I don't know what the tools are. I don't know what the tools are. I've tried them. <laughs> I've tried them all. Well, I've tried some. Um, but it's, it's a pro, it's a process. So do you feel like going back was a way for you to, um, was somehow like a healing process for you? Uh, oh, it started back, the process. Yeah, going back that first year was was the first initial um, pro- process, you know, or pro- yeah, process of of facing my dude. It's like if you don't want to face something, you can hide that. You can avoid. You can sweep things under a rug for a long time. And you can wear this chip on your shoulder for a long time. But I think the moment, <clears throat> if you can get to a space, if you have that um, maybe even courage or people or just opportunity to kind of just get it off your shoulder, mm-hmm. like that is incredible. It is it is incredible for yourself. It's not even having a space, maybe even getting in the mirror and saying it for yourself. Because not only did I not talk about it, I didn't, I, I, I didn't, talk about it to myself I didn't face it myself mm-hmm. and and that oh, that just I think I definitely think my life would be different if I had um different resources or even the knowledge to know that I did not have to carry this weight so yeah do you think that culture played a big part in you not dealing with it you know I don't necessarily think it's culture per se but I think it's well for one reason, for one thing, um, nobody talked about it in my family because we all went through it. Right. So how are we going to talk to each other about it? We don't have the answers, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, really think it's important, yes, to discuss among each other, but to seek actual help, like real professional help. And I know some people who are still like, what is that? What is that going to mm-hmm. do for me? But mm-hmm. like, you, you don't know until you try, at the very least, try. Um, but I think it really was one, I wasn't going to ask anybody because I don't want to trigger them as well. You know, like this is something we all went through together. Um, and even to this day, it's really, um, it's, 
it's a hard topic right especially right now how like timely of this interview for it <laughs> right. to be april right? right and that's like that is the basis of my of my nonprofit. that is the root it was really 110 percent me wanting to connect back to rwanda um and i felt like that was the only that was the best way in my opinion um and not only going back home but being home you know so so yeah that i mean honestly when i heard that you were going back i was like <laughs> how is she gonna make it not like you can't make it but mm-hmm. like for the longest you were so american you know what i mean mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you were just like an american <laughs> you just so happened to be born in rwanda mm-hmm. but then you moved back not only did you move back to start the nonprofit, you actually like it's not like you were staying in this fancy hotels or whatever like hanging out with the diaspora like you were yeah, with the people girl like living that so- <laughs> rural life so i mean tell me like that had to be that had to be nerve-wracking for you yeah it's interesting how i feel keep saying like man that was challenging this was challenging it almost seems like all of it is challenging mm-hmm. which i guess it is right <laughs> it's like wait when do we get to the good part <laughs> um so moving back, so it's funny that you say I was American, right? Because even around you guys, so, you know, I came here when I was quite young, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, but I've never felt American. I remember being like maybe like third grade because yeah. I went to, I didn't, I, I obviously did more schooling here than I did right. there. I never actually learned to like read and write Kinyaranda there. So I'm pretty proud of the knowledge that I have now. I'm proud of um, you too. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, babe. <laughs> um, I remember that I was like the only me and Jill were the only like uh, black people in ESL class. Mm-hmm. We had to go to ESL classes. And so I, that alone made me feel less American. Right, right. Why am I here? And as we continued, I was always, people ask me where I'm from. And you know, even now it's hard to, to answer. That's the hardest question. <laughs> like, what do you mean where I'm from? You mean where I'm from, from? Um, so I've, I've always, always felt Rwanda in my home. You know, we mm-hmm. speak. We speak Kinyaranda, my mom, you know, the even the decor, her manners, the right. culture, it was totally Rwandan. And then, of course, we hung out with all of y'all. So it's like, this is who I am. Right. Until I went to Rwanda, did I actually feel American. It took me getting out of America to, to feel, feel American. American. Because when I'm there, oh, no, honey, I am, no, I am not Rwandan. <laughs> They're like, oh, but you're American. I'm like, no, 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 like, no, you're American. And so... I dealt with a big identity crisis, right? Because I was like, well, I don't fit in with these Rwandans, and let's be honest. And I never felt like I felt in with Americans. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting, you know, I really had a really trying time making friends, you know, mm-hmm. Rwandan friends. It was, I was lucky I had very few uh, people who kind of diaspora that mm-hmm. live there. So being able to hang out with them and kind of have these conversations with them. But on my everyday, like in the markets, mm-hmm. at the bank, Oh no! I mean, I've had somebody tell me they're like, "Oh no!" I no, I heard somebody. It was a little kid pointing at me. Umuzungu, umuzungu, and I was with another Rwandan, mm-hmm. but he was pointing at me. I was like, and I asked the kid because obviously I, I speak Rwandan. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Dude, why are you pointing at me? Like, why do you think I'm Rwandan? This guy isn't." They're like, "Oh, Nina, it's because your skin it looks like it has seen snow." Like that was their explanation. <laughs> what? I was like, what? They're like, yeah, you look like your skin has touched snow. I was like. <laughs> That's said, a new one. I've never heard yeah, that before. I'm tell- oh, no, there's, I have a whole bag of random things that I hear about a lot of different things. But um, 
but I know I look American. I don't know what it is. It fits my dress or my hair or just my skin that has seen snow. But <laughs> the minute I walk into a room, I, I think I'm telling you how yeah. I've been to banks and the markets where they're talking about me in Kenyaranda right there. And that's so interesting because you speak Kenyaranda and you don't have an accent in Kenyaranda. So I know <laughs> how in the world do they pick that up? Like you're not from there. I mean, I that know. you haven't lived there in forever. I don't know. I really ask this all the time. And also, it's kind of like it's a 50-50 chance, right? I either speak or I don't speak it. But for you to be completely bold mm-hmm. and like I'm at the counter and you're talking about me. In Rwanda, I'm like, dude, mm-hmm. we're in Rwanda. What's a high chance that I actually understand <laughs> what you're saying? But girl, they don't care. They don't care. But <laughs> no, it's don't. little things like that that mm-hmm. remind me, oh, I don't fit in. Oh, I look like an outsider. Because mm-hmm. I mean, who does that? Or maybe right. that's our people. <laughs> you know how? You know how Gee, yeah, people. they're reckless. They don't care. But so, so, I mean, going through that, that whole identity crisis, was there a point where you were like, you know what? Screw this. I'm out. Like, did you ever have that moment? Um, it was definitely screw this. I'm gonna, I'm stop trying. I'm gonna stop trying. There's the time where I was really heavy trying to like hang out with like you know other Rwandan mm-hmm. girls. Like, let's do this. Let's do that. Wow. It just never like it never clicked, man. You know, you're sitting at a table and yeah. it's kind of like, wow, we don't we don't go together at all. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, like but and then that's not all of them. And, I, and this isn't everybody's experience. Mm-hmm. Right. Just my experience is I got to the point where I was like, look, I don't need to be either or I am who I am. So and that's, and that's that's where I am now. That's where you found your piss. Because that's yeah, there's freedom in that, you know, when you. Mm-hmm accept yourself for who you are and stop trying to Mm -hmm. pick a side because both Mm -hmm. worlds have created you yes so you can't deny one and yeah no it was a it was a challenge it took me i mean my first time i mean oh my god really i just girl it's just so many things that that do remind me i'm not rwandan and i don't know kind of like the law the lay of the the land there's some things that people are like you can't do that and i'll be like why even in the language you know it's just just small things that do remind me, like, okay, and it's fine. And it's actually great. I have these two experiences that have mended me and, you know, molded me to become the person I am. And that's Gucci. It's fine. <laughs> wow. Um. So going back to I Heart of a Thousand Heels. Yes. After your great experience or slash great slash, like it opened up a lot of wounds and mm-hmm. uh, made you realize you had to unpack them and you can mm-hmm. only do that in Rwanda Mm -hmm. you come back like walk us through that whole journey like when you said okay I'm gonna do this you obviously had never founded a nonprofit right right. (laughs) first one yes (laughs) so where did you even go for help you know um you know the nonprofit it started and it still is very much um, a passion project Mm -hmm. um a lot of people so this is interesting. That's, I don't know why it's so hard for me to even talk about stuff. So this is how it all happened. Actually, I remember this. When I was in San Antonio, this kind of leads up to my trip, right? Okay. When I was in San Antonio, we were um, playing a game of like, you, actually, you guys, people might know this if they've seen, what's that movie? Like Freedom Riders, where it's like, go on this side if you know somebody who's been shot or go on this oh, side yeah, if yeah. you've been this, mm-hmm. right? Um, like pick a side. There's a name for this. But anyways, I will never forget this man. His name is Charlie Rose. He at, he was leading the questions and the question was, um, go on this side if you've, um, if you're adopted. Mm-hmm. And 
these people who I was with didn't know me, right? Mm-hmm. I, I didn't really know them. And even the people who did know me don't really know my backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I am adopted, right? Like mm-hmm. my auntie adopted me. It's not a, um, unfamiliar story in our community and, and after, you know, the aftermath of mm-hmm. 94. So, but that's not something I wear on my sleeve, right? Nobody, a lot of people don't know right. that. Um, but my mom now is my birth mom's sister. And when I was asked if I was adopted, immediately I said, if I say I am, mm-hmm. then I almost feel like I'm not honoring or claiming the mother who, who, who adopted you. me. Mm-hmm. If I say, if I, yeah, who raised me, mm-hmm. right? Because, oh, I'm adopted. And then if I say I'm not adopted, it's like I'm completely erasing the memory of my birth mother. Mm-hmm. And I've never in my life, I was 20 some 20 mid 20s and nobody's ever asked me that question of course because who walks around and be like yo are you adopted are you adopted <laughs> <laughs> and that was the purpose of this game right mm-hmm. because adoption still is a hard thing to talk about mm-hmm. especially in this case right mm-hmm. and so I, he asked that question and i froze i froze still i literally saw things moving around me and i never moved i didn't move until the game was over and then, so we did a debrief, like, okay, who wants to talk about it? And I just busted out crying. I busted out crying. And then I told these people who didn't know me, like, well, actually, I was born here. Mm-hmm. I went through this. I lost my mother here. My mother passed in the genocide. Um, and it, it was my first time really saying it to a group of people. And so that really, really, that was when my shoulder was like, oh my right. God, like, like physically, I've never experienced something like that before physically felt like the weight was gone and mm-hmm. I was like wow and so being able to say that out loud made me want to keep saying it out loud mm-hmm. it made me feel like her memory like yes then mm-hmm. people ask you questions mm-hmm. they're like well what was your mom like and nobody's mm-hmm. ever asked me that because mm-hmm. nobody ever knew so I felt like wow this is a way to be forced to talk about her and even when you asked me for like a little bio I struggled in putting that in my bio I struggled so hard to say that I I mean even today it's mm-hmm. something so hard to verbally say but my nonprofit is to keep her alive my nonprofit is forces me if somebody asks me why did you start a nonprofit oh well my mother passed away and I want to honor her like that's a hard sentence that's taken me 25 years to say um and I never want to take away from how blessed I am for how I was raised, how I was kept in the family. I'm still surrounded by my blood family mm-hmm. since my auntie raised me. Um, and that is such a big blessing. But I don't want to, just because it's a blessing doesn't mean there wasn't any pain. And I think I struggle that with sometimes. Like I struggle to feel and accept my pain because I was like, oh, it could be worse. Oh, well, such and such did, went through this. Mm-hmm. But my pain is valid, you know, and I need to, I need to be able to accept that to heal from it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, that's where the nonprofit came in. I know that's a little backstory, but that's where my nonprofit came in and being able to people be like, all right, well, write us a bio. Why did you do this? What are you, what is this for? Um, and so being able to go back and kind of being in the moment, the places I was, I was, you know, I went to our old house that we lived in. I went to the places that we, we sought refuge during the genocide. I talked to people there who still remember me as a kid and my birth mom and it, it, it still is very much a healing process. They're still there today. I still go when I'm in Rwanda. Um, and I feel like this is all rooted in my nonprofits. Mm. So not only is it for my healing, but I'm also finding a way to help give maybe that opportunity of, of healing and, and, and changing the narrative, 
right? I think for a long time, and this is something I think I might have wrote, a long time I was a victim. A long time I felt so sorry for myself. And then it really just had to be like, well, what if I didn't? <laughs> what if I saw the- <laughs> like, really, it's that it's- simple? <laughs> what if I just stop? <laughs> Honestly, it's crazy how it's so simple. Our mental and our psyche is mm. crazy. I literally was like, well, instead of being, you know, sad and being a victim, what if I was a victor? What if I survived for a reason? And what if I did something about that? And so that's really, really where my nonprofit is rooted. And that's that's like the, the focal point, right? I want to help people change their narrative. Just because you are from X, Y, and Z, or maybe you've had this and this, doesn't mean that that has to be your story. You can own that. Like, own your story. Don't let somebody else write that for you. And so that's kind of like, you know, some of the things that we, we want to work through in our in our mission with the kids. So. I don't even know if I answered your question. Actually. No, girl, you, you did. <laughs> and more like, oh, my gosh, you just took me to church. Like you just said so many gems in everything you just said. Sorry. No, thank you. Thank you for sharing that, because I feel like this yeah. is the first time you've ever actually opened up about that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, Hello, world. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, it's I'm dead serious. Like, yeah. it's, it's still hard today. Like the fact that I'm not crying is so important. Like losing and, a parent. I mean, Nina. You know. Even if you do cry, though, it's okay. Right. Yeah. Right. It's okay to allow yourself to feel the pain and, and just let it pass. Because, mm-hmm. I don't know, for some reason, like, our culture makes it seem like crying means you're weak. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. I, like, I legit remember um, my sister was crying at my mom's funeral. I kid mm-hmm. you not. And this lady had the nerve to tell her, don't do that in public. It like what? I can't even like I can't cry at my mom's funeral. Right, 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 right. I like when when should I cry? Like you know, mm-hmm. and I, that's why I asked you that question. It was culture a big part of why you weren't mm-hmm. opening up? It's because yeah. they teach you to be put on this mm-hmm. mask for the world. Mm-hmm. Oh, but, it's all about appearances. It's oh, all yeah. about appearances, which is so bizarre. Because at the end of the day, if we're all putting on masks, you know, mm-hmm. when do we start healing? Because then we're just broken people just walking around mm-hmm. pretending to be okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm super mm-hmm. proud of you for you. getting the strength. I know it wasn't easy. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't getting the, it wasn't. the strength but, to um, work through it. And not only that, finding a way to change your narrative and also mm-hmm. keeping your mom's name alive. Like, mm-hmm. that's, I'm sure she's would be super yeah. proud of you right now. And, you know, yeah. okay, okay, now that you brought up the whole, um, adoption uh, adoption thing Uh, i feel like a lot of kids that are adopted struggle with like okay Mm -hmm. if if i don't talk about my birth mom then Mm -hmm. i'm making this mom happy Mm -hmm. and that's not the case like you Mm -hmm. can Mm -hmm. still have both moms in your life or you know talk about them and i don't Mm -hmm. think that your auntie would feel any type of way Mm -hmm. that was her sister Mh she still wants her legacy to continue mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i don't you know i think i'm so blessed again the yeah. fact that i i'm still in the same family right mm-hmm. that's a big thing too mm-hmm. but for a long time i also didn't talk about talk about it because this is not an uncommon story mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like this is probably the majority yeah. you know what i mean like yeah. this is the majority in our in our country because mm-hmm. of what has happened right mm-hmm. and it's not taboo it's not weird to talk about i think the pain just really comes within yourself and accepting that that is your story accepting mm-hmm. that my struggle personally wasn't even so much about either parent it was just like 
it was facing the yeah. fact that that's my story and it really again it was just having to change that narrative it's so crazy how powerful words are oh my goodness i mean it's literally the power of words being able yeah. to be like hmm, actually i won't be a victim of this or i, I refuse to be sad about this mm-hmm. let's rejoice you know so yeah words are powerful yeah, you create with every word that comes out of your mouth. Yeah, okay. Snap my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Can I hear that? <laughs> so initially when you started your nonprofit, it was to provide um educational like yeah. tools, um, books, all of that stuff. And then you moved you you actually uh built a school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So things I think also Sometimes um, people who are in things, like all of us who are in the hustle, really have to sit back and look at what you've accomplished. I don't do that. I don't think a lot of people do that for themselves, right? Because mm-hmm. when I look back, I'm like, wow, like wow, we've we've done some things. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we started we started by oh, just so started just so small. I look back sometimes in like you know Instagram posts or like emails yeah. um, because I need that. I need that to keep myself like going. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, let's see how far I've come. Oh, wow. <laughs> type of thing. Um, yeah, girl, we started off by just collecting a little few dollars here and there. And it was so important for me. Oh, this is actually really important. This is something I, I want to share. It was so important for me to never send money, right? I'm like, I, and it was so important to make um, the kids the, the focus point. So the money we raised, all of it went to the kids. And then I would like work for my own flight and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, for anybody running a business, always budget for yourself. Like, I don't know <laughs> if I would advise that. Budget for yourself in whatever you do. Um, but the first couple of years was simply to provide school supplies, uniforms, and um, and shoes. School supplies, uniforms, and shoes. So we did that. And then um, a couple of years later, there was some... There, for me, I found it really difficult to be abroad mm-hmm. and trying to help Rwanda, right? Because I never... I'd go in and I... This is what I, I never wanted to look like. I never wanted to look like I had the answers and I'm coming to save anybody, mm-hmm. right? Like that one and savior. So, right. But that's really hard to do when you don't live there, mm-hmm. when you're abroad and mm-hmm. you're just come for a week with a check and you're like, all right, let's spend this. Hey, kids, let's <laughs> play together. You know? And right. I started, and I, honestly, I started feeling some kind of way about mm-hmm. it, but also because there, um, it's also a challenge to kind of keep um, keep up with it with both worlds, right? Like even if we just think about the technology of getting on a phone call, that can be difficult mm-hmm. sometimes. You know what I mean? Internet mm-hmm. time zones. Um, so I I started realizing I really needed to be on the ground. Um, and then when we started building, I came back to to the states. I was networking. I met this uh, wonderful woman who I co partner with now. Um, when we're doing amazing things together, it's really good to have a team. <laughs> I've noticed that. <laughs> so. Um, so together, her name is Priya, uh, Priya Shah. Uh, between the both of us, um, we combined our nonprofits together. We did a collaboration project, and that's how we built the school under uh, Building Hope. So the idea is we came here, we raised money, and again, we absolutely work with the people on the ground, right? So we want to know, like, how much are the bricks? Let's go buy these bricks. Let's go buy, you know, this cement. Let's mm-hmm. go see who was working there. And we took a group with us, um, a very small group of just friends, right? It was just kind of friends of ours who wanted to be part of this and we went and you know we built two two classrooms um for for these kids who didn't have a, who didn't have a roof to, to learn under they were gathering under like a tree or a tarp mm. like they had some like a makeshift tarp 
um, like a real basic blue tarp that you use, like if you're about to paint something and you don't want to get the floor dirty. Oh they made a makeshift home with that. And they stuffed kids in there. Um, and I was like, it gets hot. And it also rains crazy in Rwanda. So I'm like, how is this happening? So it really, um, it was a really good project. Um, and then the next year, we only, we worked with this community for two years where we built a, a school. Really, we built classrooms. The school was already operating. So we didn't have to do any admin work or okay. bring in teachers. They already were there. It's just that they were learning under a tarp. <laughs> um, so we did two classrooms for them. And then we did some playgrounds so that they can have some active, purposeful play. And the playground was um, something the teachers wanted. Again, it's really important for me to go and ask the community and be in the community. I never want to be a white savior. One, I mean, <laughs> but still, like, I never want to have that narrative of like, I just drop in for a week mm-hmm. and I, you know, just do this take and a bunch I of selfies. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, the teachers were like, you know what? These kids love to play, but we really don't know how to kind of structure it. Um, so we did some play, you know, just some things they could do numbers on, they could jump on. Um, and it's so when before they had the playground and even kind of now because kids are kids, mm-hmm. the, I mean, they would they'd get a stick and play the funnest game ever, like with a stick. Mm-hmm. And, and then when they were building, like you, you would see them like getting leaves together and a little bit of dirt and a little bit of this. And like, what are you guys doing? Oh, I'm making dinner for my friends. They're all over here. So cute to see. And so we wanted to kind of give them um, something a little more tangible and that's going to be there for a while. Mm-hmm. So they, and they still play with the sticks and dirt, of course, mm-hmm. but they don't have to have a playground and a swing if they wanted to swing every now and again. So, <laughs> so yeah, so that was a really good, that was a good project. And then, I mean, we're still working hard together and we do, we go to, or yeah, we go to Rwanda. Um, we went to Uganda last year, which was pretty cool. Um, and we, we focus on, you know, working with, it's an art program really overall. So even when we built the school, mm-hmm. we incorporated art as well. So we did the school, the infrastructure, and then we put a mural and the mural is what the kids, it's, it's again, we want to focus on what the community wants. So mm-hmm. we asked the community members and the headmasters of the school, like, Oh, what would, well, it's something that you would like to, you know, display here. And um, through that, we were able to create something uh, for them. So it was really cool. Really awesome. Yeah. How did you pick the the kids? How did you pick and choose? Because I'm sure there's so many kids out there that need help. Yeah. What was the criteria for you to say, these are the kids I want to work with? Um, in the beginning, so there's two, two, two things. Um, for this particular project where we did the infrastructure, we kind of knew some, you know, we knew some people in the community. I have an aunt that lives out there mm-hmm. and she was, you know, like really heavy into that school. Um, and she's pretty much like started it herself. Okay. Um, and then for our other programming that we do, cause we also do a critical thinking workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's rooted in really, uh, leadership, right? I've, I noticed that there's, um, like a gap in critical thinking mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a whole different story in itself um and so being able the we pick people who we work with are also on the ground they're just um some local local guy around my age who was like look there's a lot of kids in the streets who don't have anything to do after school sometimes even during school and he opened the center for them oh, nice. and so for me it's really important to work with other rwandans or even let's say africans because i mean for us bias right i'm all about Fubu that's my day long. okay mm-hmm. for us by us in africa let's do this together mm-hmm. um, and it's so important for me to show that to the kids 
to show that like we got you type of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, Lisa, right? <laughs> so it's a secure episode right now. <laughs> Um, but no, it's really, really important for me to show them because I've had a lot of questions about like, I've had this, this fantasy of what America is, right? And I'm like, you're too young. Let me show you what the truth, look at your backyard, look at the resources you have, look at the knowledge you have, look at the people in your country who have overcome things regardless of what and have made a name for themselves or a company for themselves. So I really want to show them people that look like them. Mm-hmm. And that's that's one of our big things. Um, and so the criteria for this for some of them is like, OK, who's Rwandan? Who's on the ground? You know, who's running this locally? Mm-hmm. That's my key word, man. Local. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, yeah, that's how we've chosen people in the past. That's what's up. So um, <clears throat> were there any naysayers that you had to overcome? When you initially came back, I'm sure you know when you have a, a vision, right? Once you played in your mind, you get excited. Like, you know, so sometimes when you're delivering it to people, you're so excited because you already see your vision and some people don't see it and they're looking at you crazy. Did you ever encounter those people and what was your response when whenever they told you that can't be done? Girl, till this day, everybody's a naysayer. I feel like, not everybody, <laughs> but like, for the most it's, part, it's hard. First, so, and I understand it, like, especially in our culture, number one thing I get without a doubt, why are you helping those kids? Don't you know you got an auntie's cousin, third removed cousin that can't afford to go to school? Why are you helping these kids find school fees? That's like the number one thing I get. Or, oh, you help kids? Well, you know, your cousin ain't been able to pay school fees in a while. Mm. So, I'm just, so it's, and in a sense, I understand because that's who we are, right? As right. a culture. Like we have each other, right? Um, but there are people out there who don't have anybody, right? Mm-hmm. We don't have anybody. Um, and that's true. That's like facts, man. That is, oh my God, the incredible kids that I've met. Um, it's just, and that's like, I can go on for, about that for a long time. Um, but one of the things I've heard, which is really funny, my first year, because remember I was giving uniforms. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had gone to the school first before the uniform and, you know, got to know the kids and the teachers before we handed out uniforms. Mm-hmm. And I got back and I was showing someone like, oh, this is the school. And these are the kids I'm working with. They're like, why are you helping that kid? He has on jeans. He got money. I was like, oh. I was like, you need to help him. He got jeans. He clearly got something. And I was just like, in my head, the thought process that yeah. goes. <laughs> Girl, I told you, I got a bag of things that I've learned and experienced about our people. Um, but those, I still get that every day. I still get that. Why are you helping them? That person looks like they got money. Or, well, you better be careful. That person's going to try to, you know, mm. take you. I've gotten a, oh, you know, I've actually not even be careful. I heard somebody tell me like, um, oh, well, you know, they took those school supplies and they sold them. They sold them for some money. And I was just like, why is that where you go? Mm. Why couldn't he be actually using the school supplies? And if he sold them because he needed some bread, okay. You know, an I just, entrepreneur. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> I need to work with him. Come on, my team. But, um, so the naysayers look like that. It's nobody really saying you can't do it. It's almost like, why are you even doing mm. it? Right? And so I think that's the way I deal with it is, man, you got to focus. There's a lot of stuff in the world you got to tune out and i think knowing your vision and really realizing it um though you don't even hear those things anymore right because you're just so focused like that tunnel vision like all right cool you know let's kind of 
what is that Heisman? <laughs> you know, Heisman. <laughs> like, okay, that's cool. Thanks. Goodbye. You know, um, and I think that's kind of things that we do within life, right? Right. Because there's nothing you do that you're not gonna find a hater or a naysayer or just people who are just not nice. <laughs> so. So yeah, my best way of dealing with them is really just tuning them out because there's nothing I'm gonna say, right. and I'm not here. I'm not here to prove to them anything. You don't believe in it? That's fine. Nice to meet you. Goodbye. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the best way to do it, though. Honestly, honestly, but yeah, we get them all the time. Mm. And you know what? When you have haters, you know you're doing something right. You just gotta. That's them all. Um, you know how. When you had that moment in the classroom with the whole nursing thing, right? When you had that moment that you just knew, I'm not, I'm not living my purpose right now. Did you ever have that moment, but the opposite effect of I'm living in my purpose? Like I'm actually doing what I'm supposed to do with um, a heart of a thousand heels. Yeah, I think that those are the only moments that keep me going, to be honest. I think, um, I think we serve a very powerful God. Mm -hmm. That's very funny. <laughs> I think he got jokes all the time because it'll take me my mo my most moment of like, what am I doing? Girl, I can't tell you how many times in a day I asked myself, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, girl, what is you doing? Like, really, I asked myself in so many ways, in so many voices at so many times, <laughs> what are you doing? Um, and I swear it'll take, it'll be those moments, Judy, I cannot lie. I'll get a random email, a random email. Hey, I've seen your website. I want to volunteer. Or somebody subscribes, you know, because you could subscribe to our newsletter. Oh, you got a new subscription. Or a donation comes in. Oh, Lord, don't let it be a donation coming out of the sky. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Yes. <laughs> Put me in my purpose. It, it happens a lot those ways. Or a lot of the times, a lot of the times, it's with the kids. Hands down, mm. hands, 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 hands down. I love, I love that day to day that I get and that I get more now that I live there mm -hmm. or, or whatever I do to live there part time. <laughs> I don't know, girl. I don't live nowhere. Um, but being, working with the kids one on one and just they're smart. They don't have to say nothing. Mm. Just them showing up and smiling. I'm t kids are just, they're, they're the best thing. They are really are the best. They give you all the joys and they give you all kind of the, um, what is that? The motivation, right? Mm -hmm. The encouragement without knowing it. Just by showing up and like participating. Mm -hmm. like, oh, wow. Okay. Cool. Cool. Okay. We're doing something. We're doing something. <laughs> so those are the moments where I feel like I'm really living in my purpose. I feel it more when I'm in Rwanda, of course, which mm -hmm. is kind of, motivates me to be there more because it is that every day that's like okay well this isn't so bad i can do this i can do this we got this we got this <laughs> so so yeah that's where it comes in oh well i can tell you just by witnessing everything you're doing online and offline and i can tell you are living in your purpose because like just when somebody mentions your nonprofit, like you just light up you can just <laughs> see it and it's like oh I mean, that's just a beautiful thing to witness when you see somebody actually doing something that they love and it shows in their work and in their commitment. Because I don't know if I could do what you're doing, to be honest with you. It's beautiful. <laughs> like, I see it and I'm like, man, but it's not for Girl, me. Same. That's how I be looking. That's why I ask myself, like, when do you do it? <laughs> but you always have an answer to that. Yeah, why. I guess so. Huh? Yeah. Like, yeah. I would still be like, really, though, what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right. That's encouraging. That yeah. is really encouraging. I appreciate that. 
No, for real. So um, I could talk to you for days and looks like we do need to wrap this up. Oh my goodness. That's <laughs> but, because we haven't seen each other in so long. I know, I know. Continue this offline. For sure, for sure. I'm glad you're here for a little bit. But um, um, what would you tell somebody that, especially, you know, I feel like Africans in the diaspora, when we go back home for those vacations, right? And Mm -hmm. we see a need and we see that our people do need us. And sometimes you really do want to make a difference. But then, Mm -hmm. you know, you meet so many naysayers and you kind of just like discourage yourself before you even Mm -hmm. start. Mm -hmm. What would you tell those people that kind of want to do what you're doing or something different, but just want to go back and give back, you know? but don't know how to go about it. Like what is the one thing that you've learned along the way that just, that would help somebody else just get um, started? I think, you know what it takes. Mm-hmm. And I think I wish I, I would have maybe taken some more time. If that's wherever it is in the world, that it is that you're wanting to help mm-hmm. take, take some time to be there. Take some time to be there because one of the things, and this is hopefully this answers this question. I was speaking on a panel and oh my God, actually you interviewed this girl, um, Judith. She works, um, oh my God, uh, she works for the, um, oh my goodness, in Burundi. Oh, you yeah, ju- yeah, 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 yeah. Um, she's, she's a feminist. I just, yeah, I yeah. did interview her. Oh, okay. Yes. So anyways, so I was, I was on a panel and she asked me this question. Mm-hmm. Um, she was like, well, something about, you know, we all know about white saviors, but what about urban saviors, right? Mm. And I know that I went to Rwanda thinking like, oh, I look like these people. I speak their language. I know how I can help them. And I was absolutely wrong. It took me being present around the community, around the children, around the people to really understand what they want. I definitely went in with my American mindset thinking, oh, this program will work and this program will work without sitting and actually getting to know the kids. Um, so whatever it is that people are trying to help, there is so much naysaying of like, where's that money going? Are they really helping? For you to be confident in that, you have to spend time with those people in, in any aspect. Sitting now, whether it's, re- I mean, and I'm talking like one-on-one with these people because mm-hmm. you can research, the internet can tell you all kinds of things, but you'll never know until you sit and have a conversation with that old man to that young five-year-old. Get to know the place that you're trying to serve so that you can do it authentically. I think that's the best advice. And it might take some, you know, I don't know. I don't know exactly what it'll take for everybody. It might take you sitting down and having even if it's a Skype call or, you know, whatever it may be, uh, taking the time to really know what it is you're trying or where it is you're trying to serve. And if you're really wanting to serve them, then whatever answers they'll give you of whatever need they they have, that's where that's where you will serve, right? Instead of bringing in your own thought and, your own concepts or your own saviorism, ask them. It's a simple question. So. That's beautiful. So remove That's the right. ego, go yes. in there, ask the questions and listen. Yes, absolutely. It. Absolutely. Okay. So, yeah. Nina, it was Hello. such a pleasure having <laughs> you on the show. Come back. I know you're going to be doing major things. Oh, before we go, though, how can we help? If somebody wanted to be a part, oh, of, yeah, yeah. part of the thousand heels how can they help um, so yeah, where can they contact you yes so thanks for asking mm-hmm. um for anybody interested in literally just chatting more or wanting more i'm such an open book whatever y'all want to know uh you can email us we're at um you can email the organization is heart 
of a thousand hills because Rwanda is known for a thousand hills. <laughs> and that's where my heart is. So heart Aww. of a thousand hills. Um, and you can email me at info at part of a thousand hills.com. You can go to our website at part of a thousand hills.com. Um, and because it's so long on Instagram, we can only be heart of the hills. Um, <laughs> so you can find us on Instagram, part of the hills. Those are the best ways to, to get involved and keep up with all the things that are going on. Well, well, well. And we can obviously donate money on the website. On the website. Okay. Okay. And then Instagram leads you to the website. I got it all. (laughs) All You got it figured out, people. (laughs) Wired to the website. (laughs) So no excuses. Please go and support my girl. And you know, um, like we said earlier at the beginning, if there's a available bachelor that's listening. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, for real though. I'm just kidding. kidding. Before before we go, Judy, I want to thank you so 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 much. I've been listening to you guys from day one, as you like day one one, and I think the idea is so awesome because we have, first of all, because you found all these people to interview shows that we are not alone. (laughs) Like we out here struggling. So if we could do it, girl. Like if we could do that together, it's unity is so it's so important to me right it like solidifies like your different struggles and thoughts to know that you're not alone so sometimes i just like randomly scroll through and i'm like oh and i know that you've interviewed people who also are doing nonprofits and people who are being artists and people who are doing comedy just all kinds of weird like outside of you know our little box things so that's what's up shout out to every single one of them because this is amazing this is a great platform so shout out to you guys Thank you. Thank you so much. I know you've been supportive. You know, sometimes I feel like nobody's listening to this, I swear. And then people are like, oh, I listen to, I'm like, you listen to our yeah. podcast? Like, I'm so we listen, girl, we listen. Thank you. Thank you so much for the support. And, you know, I'm here for everything that you're doing. And you have an open invitation. Come back anytime. Build more schools, you know. The future, I mean, you know, the sky's the limit. Actually, the sky's not yes. even the limit, you know. You're, okay. Yeah, just your mind. Whatever you put your mind to, girl, you got this. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate it, appreciate it. For everybody listening, thanks for tuning in. Until next time. You've been listening to IPU Podcast. You can follow IPU Podcast on Instagram. If you haven't yet, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe rate and review this podcast join us next week for another inspiring story follow your passion it will lead you to your purpose as always thanks for listening until next time